This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And once again, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, welcoming one and all to The Garden Show. And a hi to Will, who is in the training chair right now in the control room, thanks to That's Sebastian. Right. Yeah. Welcome, Will, and thank you, for, thank you, Sebastian, for being Will's backup. A fine tutor. He's a the under, tutor. under, under operator. That's right. <laughs> As I am the under, under gardener. Yes. yes indeed. Well, here we are. I better get the phone numbers on the air because a lot of folks want to talk to you this morning. I know, gardening in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Toronto, call 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, it is toll-free, 866 740 Four seven forty. Our little mantra goes this way: Call early, call often. One question per call. And of course, if you're a first-time caller, let Will know when you talk to him on the phone there, and uh, he will let me know, and I will give you a little welcoming dingling. Okay, our bell. That's You'll get your, your garden, garden wings. That's right. All right. Just to be clear. That, exactly. Well, Charlie, uh, what's your week been like? Busy, busy. It has. It has. I, fi- I finished the... Uh, remember I told you I was working on a project? Yes. Uh, installing a lovely, lovely garden. Uh, you know, if I do say so myself. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I designed... Almost broke her hand, patting herself on the back there. Uh, oh, shush. So anyway, really, really uh, beautiful garden. But part of it is the clients are great. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just so nice to work with um, homeowners that just want the best, yep. you know, they just, they want attention to detail. So, um, yeah, I've had a great crew. We've got irrigations working, lighting is all working, plants are in, laid the sod yesterday. So oh, that's great. It's all great. It's beautiful. Well, as you know, I, I wanted to verify the fact that, of course, I'm becoming such a, a wonderful gardener myself. <laughs> Shirley's been putting me to work out there yes. on the farm. And I sent you some pictures of I know. flowers. You just such, yeah. my inbox was inundated <laughs> with with photographs. You obviously were lying back in a lawn chair. No, you well, saw me watering. Else, I, I had true. You yeah. had a hose in one of the photos. <laughs> Big deal, she says. Oh, jeez. Anyway, I do you've got garden. some announcements. I'll bet you. I have a few. Yes. Okay. Things going on. So uh, t- this weekend, there's an awful lot going on. Mm. Here, just right here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then besides right here, uh, we have um, going on at the Royal Botanical Gardens, which, of course, is in Burlington today and tomorrow from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's called the Enchanted Garden Weekend. So it's a touch of magic awaiting you at Royal Botanical Gardens. Meet mystical creatures, participate in magical activities, and learn the secrets of the Enchanted Garden, all happening in Hendry Park. For more information, go to info at rbg.com. Ca, kind of good timing for this because you know what's releasing tonight, 
just at 12.01, I believe, tonight or tomorrow night, I think it's tonight, is the newest Harry Potter book. Oh, right. Speaking of enchantment and Uh mystical things. uh, Also, a huge event going on in Buffalo this weekend, the Garden Walk Buffalo. It's... uh, This is one of the biggest things happening, isn't it? I mean, It's America's largest garden tour. There are more than 400 gardens on the tour. Who were you talking about this last year? Yeah, this is the 22nd annual event, one of the region's most anticipated summer events. More than 60,000 visitors will be scouring Buffalo's west side neighborhoods, seeking creative gardens, and leaving inspired and tired. Mm-hmm. Best thing to do, for more information, is Google Garden Walk Buffalo. Okay. Plan your route. There's no admission required. Use the free map available on the web. Remember, gardens are only open from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. today and tomorrow. So you've got to be very organized, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> right. you're walking typically between the gardens. So, you know, you scour a certain neighborhood and then maybe jump in the car or hop a bus and go to another quadrant in the neighborhood. So everything's free. There's tons of inform- inspiration, information, um, yeah, ideas galore. So hmm. that's a fun way. It's a fun thing to do this weekend if you're not no- going up to the cottage, then go or down to Buffalo. Or taking part in the carnival here. In that's town. right. Yeah. The Caribbean Carnival. There's Blue Jays game. There's like unbelievable. Ta- oh, it's crazy. Crazy, crazy. Okay. Uh, so those are my big things. Now I do have, but we'll get to them later. Remember we left last week with a couple of callers with questions I couldn't fully answer. Right. One was the overwintering of ornamental sweet potato vine. Mm-hmm. And the other was, oh, the Rose of Sharon flowers oh, right. that changed yep. color. So okay. I've got some information on that. But you know what? Just quickly before we go to a break or to anything else, I did get an email from Harold Freeman. Thank you, Harold. Remember I've talked about Plant Skid? You yes. think these people, you think I like had shares in this company or something <laughs> because I keep mentioning them because they are, you know, it's all about being a repellent. Yep. It's a spray that... Keeping is, the animals away from your plants it, and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. it all started to keep elk and, and deer and things away from the gardens in like Finland or Norway. I mentioned that because it is this repellent, it probably works on raccoons, but Harold was far more clever than me, and he sent an email to the customer service people at PlantSkid, and um, the person named Vicky came back and she said it's not effective against raccoons, this product. Well, very Uh, good for them to own up to that. She said some people do get favorable results, but it's not one of the animals that we guarantee that PlantSkid repels, so it's not guaranteed to repel raccoons. However, Vicky says her mom uses baby powder Oh, and she puts where she doesn't want the raccoons to go, and they don't go there. They don't walk across baby powder. The smell, I guess, or getting it on their feet that just yeah, yeah. makes them way too unhappy. So, just a thought: if you've got a raccoon highway or problem with some raccoons, might want to try baby powder. Start diapering those trees <laughs> out there. All right, we've got folks waiting in the line. We're going to get to you in just a couple of moments here on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's wander off to Welland, all righty? <laughs> Mary Jane is there. Hi, good morning, Mary Jane. Welcome to the show. Good morning. morning. Um, you were very helpful with my rose campions last year, and I think I've figured those little guys out. <laughs> I, they're tricky, but I, I've got them. Anyway, I have a really beautiful uh, pink pinstemon, mm-hmm. 
and it has outgrown its spot, and I don't know how easily they divide. I almost lost my golden marguerites when I tried to divide that, so I'm hesitant about this pent stemming. Well, you know, the best time, they're not, they're finished flowering now, or are they still flowering? Oh, no, it's finished. I've cut it yeah, back. Yeah, the, It's a bit hot right now. To no, be, no, I don't want to do it yeah. now, but I know I need to do it in the fall. Fall or spring, either one. Either dig it one. up. Yep, just dig up the whole clump, get a sharp knife or a sharp shovel, and just sever that clump into however many chunks you want to. As, okay. As long as you've got some stem and some root attached, and okay. there'll be some soil you know, attached to all that, uh, you can separate that. If it's a big enough clump, you can turn it into many, many plants. Oh, that's terrific! Because I know some things don't like to be uprooted and moved, and I was—I really don't want to lose this because it's yeah. just gorgeous. Yeah, no, they are. They're wonderful. So that one—that one won't mind if I do it carefully and get it all. That's okay. right. Yeah, all and the it's roots. the main thing to do it. Um, like I said, fall or spring, either works. Uh, okay. It's just nice to do it when the weather's cooler. I mean, you could do it now, except that it's so hot. It's it's. Bit too stressful. Oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just trying to keep everything alive right now. Yeah, I know. It's stressful on (laughs) us to even think about you guys. We haven't had a whole lot of rain down here. None of us have. Both you guys know what you're talking about here, but uh, me, the dumb little uh, undergardener, once you sever all of that, Uh do you just plant it again or do you put that away or what? No, look, see see there? There's actually something called the American Penstemon Society. Oh, yeah. So I brought that up and it does show. See, those are the plants. See the little roots. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. They've, st- they've taken a clump and they've divided up because there's multi-little plants, little shoots all happening together. And that's how you propagate so many of the perennials is just by okay. dividing them And up. then you replant. Replant, yeah, get those right. roots underground. You don't have the roots sitting out in the air for any extended period okay. of time. So you're ready. To, you've got your planned location of where they're going and the soil has been amended and all that important stuff. Excellent. Well, I okay. hope that helps, Mary Jane. All right. Thanks All for right. your call. Indeed. John in Mississauga. Hey, Welcome good back, John. Yeah, one of our <laughs> regular callers. How good are you doing morning, this morning? Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, as I told you on my email, first of all, thank you very much for your information. Mm, now, my pleasure. Believe me, I'm so upset this year. No apples, no, what? no this, no that. Um, oh. My fruit, I mean, I have, like I said, I have 36 plant, tom- tomato plants. Mm-hmm. Um, funny enough, some of them I found out, Charlie, now that they're fine. Okay. But there's a, a portion, like sort of, let's say half of them, mm-hmm. um, they're having this blight. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was talking to my neighbor, and he said, why don't you try to put some hydrogenated lime? Mm-hmm. Did I do the right thing or not? I would, it's on the leaves or on the soil? No, no, on the soil, on the soil. Uh, there's no real advantage to doing that. No, um, right? No. Uh, I don't think it would hurt things, but <clears throat> remember, when you add lime, you uh-huh. affect pH. So you just want to be careful. You don't want to do anything too crazy with well, the I pH. I didn't put too much, but um, anyhow, um, believe me, I- I'm so frustrated that I don't want to lose all these tomatoes. No, I know. Well, remember, blight is a fungal disease, mm-hmm. okay? And you're right. Nobody wants to lose their tomatoes, but <clears throat> the fungus doesn't affect the fruit. It affects the leaves. And if the blight annihilates the plant by getting on all the leaves and all the leaves die, then, yeah, the plant dies and we don't get the kind of quantity or quality of fruit that we want. So what I would look at, do you have any kind of a fungicide in your arsenal there? Do you have... Um, yes, I do, yes. Yeah, like some sarin, something called, something called serenade. There's, the, most of them are sulfur-based uh, sprays. Well, I have sulfur too, but I, yeah, as you know, I, I have fungicide, yes, yeah. I do. So, I mean, that's, that's what you would use to try and 
you're not going to eradicate the blight once it begins on the tomatoes, but you oh, can sorry. certainly control the spread of the That's blight. That's not a good news. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, but you know what I'm saying? You, you can keep other leaves healthy by spraying them. Now, of course, it is kind of gray and starting to rain here, yeah. so it's not a good time to be spraying. But uh, the idea is once, you know, things dry up a bit, mm-hmm. you want couple to avoid blight, we try and have good air circulation around our tomatoes so they're not packed jammed in too tight. Uh-huh. Obviously, they're in as much sun as we can give them, minimum six hours a day. Uh-huh. And when you do start to see any kind of a fungal disease, you remove those leaves, uh, being proactive, and you get ready with your fungicide to protect the, the balance of the plant from getting infected as well. Yeah. The okay. thing, Charlie, is if I may interrupt you, please, um, mm-hmm. the, the leaf seems to be the fine. Mm. The leaves are fine. I was going to spray with, with Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. You know, you can. and because it, it's true, some of them at the back, actually at the back of, of, of the sort of of the plants, mm-hmm. like the back. In other words, I I have three in a row, so I have twelve rows of three in a row, mm-hmm. and and some of them, yes, they have some like white dots on them, mm-hmm. but only a few. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, like as you could see, my you know, could you hear my frustration in my voice? Yeah, because, but but um, yeah, don't worry. I mean, it, it, I wouldn't be overly concerned. <clears throat> the, you know, we've had lots of heat, we've had lots of sun. Those not good conditions for blight to be a big problem. So you know, if suddenly the weather changes, starts raining every day, and the temperature drops way down, yes, we're all going to have blight problems. But I I don't see that forecast at all. Lots of good dry weather coming, and so don't don't be overly concerned. Just breathe. Okay, <laughs> and you can. Remove some leaves. Yeah. I'm at the point where I want to expose some of my mm-hmm. fruit a little more. I've got yep. so much leaf material. So don't be afraid to, you know, remove a percentage of those leaves. Get that air circulation happening as much as you can, okay? Okay, John. Okay, Thanks, okay, John. Thank you very much. You You're bet. welcome. You take care, my friend. Thanks Bye-bye. for joining us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM downtown. We'll return to more of our callers in moments here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. You know, uh, occasionally I show up in my Speedo here in the show. (laughs) No, please, no. No, oh no. Uh, But I'm thinking of people in their bathing suits because, boy, we're heading to a spot now that Mm. gets a lot of uh, visitors in the summertime. Wasaga (laughs) Beach, Trisha is there. Good morning, Trisha. Nice to have you with us. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Morning, Trisha. Yeah, uh, Charlie, I have... And about nine roses. Mm-hmm. Something's happened. There's only two of them that look like roses. The rest have got either stalks or dead leaves. Oh. And did, were they green in the spring? Yeah, they were beautiful in the spring. Okay. And all of a sudden, something's happened. Hmm. Uh, how long have they been there? How many how long years? have they been in the ground? Yeah. Years and years? Oh, a few years. I mean, the one thing that can happen to roses, if they're grafted roses, is that we can, the graft can break off uh, or, you know, break apart, and then the rootstock grows. And then when that happens, you're not growing what you thought you were growing. You're not growing the chosen rose. You're growing the rootstock, which is a rose, but it's just not a very ornamental rose. But you have to, for the leaves, to, they didn't just turn brown overnight, did they? Um, I don't really know because I was in hospital. So when I came out, 
I had an inspection of these roses and mm. all these leaves started dying. Yeah. I mean, it's been very, very hot and dry. Yeah. And, uh, but they do get water. Oh, they do? They ha- there is irrigation? Yeah, I have irrigation. Oh, uh, interesting. I wonder. And the irrigation is working properly? It's set properly? Yeah, very well. Okay, because, I mean, that's the other thing is when roses, when the leaves are wetted uh, at night, that can lead to fungal diseases. What kind of irrigation do you have? Is it like a soaker hose or is it a spray? No, it's, you know, the sprinklers. Yeah, yeah. So there's like pop-up sprinklers and they sprinkle the gardens. Yeah. Um, what likely happened? Good question. I would suggest you could take a photograph and send it to me. I mean, something has happened. Something dramatic, it sounds like. It's not lack of water. Uh, Roses love all that heat and sun we've been having. So the actual plants should be alive. They wouldn't typically be flowering like crazy because it's just been too hot. But uh, they should be alive. So if you want to try taking a couple photos and email them to me, I could take a look. Um, You haven't been there. Is it possible that... There's, you know, dogs have been peeing on them or somebody's, no. you know, spilled something onto them because, you know, something could happen that, that way that can be detrimental to no, the plants. it's funny. The ones that are further towards the road mm-hmm. are okay, but the ones further to the house yes. are the ones that are looking sick. Looking the worst. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, hard to say. Um, just, you know, based on what you've told me, hard, nothing's sort of coming to mind unless somebody else out there is listening and says, oh, I think I know what's going on. Because, yeah, I mean, like I say, I've, I do, I'm not a big fan of watering my roses, but I think I have watered them twice this season so far just because you have to. It just got too hot there. Too hot, too dry. So, uh, And we've had a bit of rain here. I'm not sure what you've had up your way. Nothing. Yeah, so, mm, you know, yeah. that's an effect as well. So, I mean, yeah, try take a, take a photo of the worst looking one and, and email it if you don't mind. Frank will give my email address if you're interested in trying to do that. Okay. Alrighty. Thank you. Thanks for your call. Thank you. I'll give Tricia time to get a piece of paper and pencil. Hmm. Always handy to have your email address because uh, Charlie does her best to try and help you along with any of your problems. Okay, here we go. It's c.dobbin at, and that's d-o-b-b-i-n at mzmedia.com. Okay? Thank you, Frank. Hey, there you go. And uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Mississauga comes into play here. There's Mary. Good morning, Mary. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Morning. Morning. Uh, I was lucky enough to have a little oak tree land in my garden from a big tree next door. Mm -hmm. It's about three feet tall and maybe about three, four years old. Um, And I just noticed on the leaves, on the the top side of the leaves, there are little green bumps. Mm Mm-hmm. So the texture is not rust or anything. It's just a little bump. Mm-hmm. But when I lift the leaves on the underside, mm-hmm. it's little tiny, like little cotton balls, white cotton balls, tiny, tiny. Mm-hmm. And they're all over the leaves. Right. So you know what that is? No. <laughs> it's actually, they're called a, it's called a gall. When leaves, and we'll see this on maple trees quite often, uh, when a, what, what should be a smooth leaf suddenly has a protuberance right. sticking out of it, whether out of the top or out of the bottom of the leaf, that's called a gall. And what causes galls are insects. Okay. So the insect is burrowing into the leaf, the, the plant can't do anything about that so the plant grows around the insect and so you end up with this sometimes they're like tall they look like stalagmites or stalactites oh. you know, or, and so they're really really spindly and other times they're round and fuzzy and sometimes they're round and hard bottom line is it's an insect that is <clears throat> it's not really typically causing any damage to the leaf it's not like eating the leaf it's just using the leaf as a, a 
as a hotel, really. Yeah. Okay. And the leaf is responding by carrying on with its life and just growing around the bug. Yeah. So um, as long as the leaves are green and yeah. the plant is continuing to photosynthesize, because that's what leaves are for, mm-hmm. they're little solar panels, there's no issue. <clears throat> I mean, it looks a bit silly, but it's not, it's not going to kill the plant at all. And, uh, you know, fall will come, the leaves will drop, new leaves will grow next year. And it all starts all over again, and you may or may not have galls in the future, but don't don't worry about it. Okay, that- I wondered because in the city, uh, they all the big oak trees have uh, you know the burlap around them and a little plastic uh, bottle of some kind of liquid hanging in each tree. And I don't know what that's for, but I was wondering if it was the same thing. There was some kind of. I think that's to control from tent caterpillars. Um, oh. <clears throat> to, to the um, caterpillars that are going to crawl up, yes. so they'll wrap this this trunks, oh, okay. and then there'll be um, something on that to make it like there'll be sticky material or something. So when the insect tries to crawl up, they get stuck and they can't okay. <laughs> can't get by. Uh, so there's certain things that we do to try and keep some of the crawling because they will chew. Caterpillars will just chew out all the leaves and annihilate the leaves, and that really, really stresses the plants. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So don't worry is the bottom and, line. And I won't, uh, I could use insecticidal soap. You could, but the soap will only work on contact of the insect, and the insect is inside the gall. Yeah, so all you'll do is give the the, the tree the tree a nice little wash. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Little laugh. All right. Okay. Thank, Thank you, Mary. You so all right. Okay. Thanks for joining us here on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, AM seven forty ninety six point seven FM downtown. And by golly, we've got a first time caller on the line. Mm, hey, welcome. Linda in Malton. That's for you. Hi, Linda. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Well, yeah, welcome to the show. And you just got your garden wings. How can we help? Hi. Um, I have a weeping mulberry. Mm-hmm. A mulberry. It's about four feet tall. We planted it about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Can we move it? You can. I wouldn't okay. move it right now, but you can move it, yep. Okay. So in the fall, move it. Fall is fall is an excellent time to move any plant. So transplanting, digging, dividing, even just planting. Fall is excellent because the soil is so nice and warm. And plants love warm soil. That's what they their roots will happily grow in warm soil as opposed to the spring mm-hmm. when it's also a nice time to plant and transplant, but of course the soil is cold and you don't see that same immediate growth. So oh, okay. Yeah, wait until late August, early September, so the days are a little shorter, the nights are a little cooler. Prepare the spot where you want the mulberry to go. Make sure you've amended the soil, you've added some, you know, cattle manure, you've got either bone meal on hand or a transplanter fertilizer, so something with high phosphorus, which is the middle number in our fertilizers. Um, And so you've got that on hand. And when you dig and move, try and always water in advance the night before, the day before you're going to move something. That way the soil is nice and moist, and it's more likely to hold together into a ball. You want the soil to not fall off the roots when you're doing the move. So you're going to try and keep it all as held as much together in a ball as you can. You're going to Lift, put it into a wheelbarrow if necessary, whip it over to the new spot, carefully lift into the hole, planting at the same level it was growing, tamp okay. it down, transplant your fertilizer, and stake if it's a super windy spot. Okay? Yeah, perfect. Okay, so that's wonderful. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. You're welcome. And the door is always open here at the Garden (laughs) Show. Thanks for being a first-time caller there, Linda. All righty. Now we have a call-out to Whitby. Patrick online. Good morning, Patrick. Hello, Patrick. 
Good morning. Hello, Patrick. Did you go? <laughs> Is, is he falling back to sleep? Good heavens. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, maybe he's, oh, he's running he's, around closing his windows because yeah, it's really started to rain I here. Think so. <laughs> and, you know, as luck would have it, here is another first time caller Mary Kay in Etobicoke. That's for you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, I have a problem mm-hmm. with my flock. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people say it's just a weed, but to me, it's the most no. beautiful flower. And Early this spring when it started, I've had it for about 20 years, mm-hmm. but I've got all colors, you know, nice. and they all mix, you know, Beautiful. I guess they all seeded themselves, and yeah. they've mixed into this one corner of my yard, mm-hmm. and every year they've been so beautiful. This year, I don't know, they're, they're, they've come up, mm-hmm. and then the leaves start turning brown. Not the complete leaf, mm-hmm. but partial leaves, and then eventually now the whole stem is dying. It sounds, I mean, it's been super dry. Obviously, this phlox is growing in a sunny location because that's what it loves. Now, have you watered? Oh, yes. I I don't water very much because everything else. I'm a a phlox and hosta person. That's about all I have in my backyard. And so I water those, but that's that's Uh, about all. So your shade is all hosta and your sun is all phlox? I was just saying you've got all your shady spots full of hust and all your sunny spots full of flocks? Yes, but one corner especially yeah. is just loaded with the flocks, or has mm. been, yeah, not yeah. this year. Not it's, this year. They're there, but they're all um, mm. got this... Shriveled and brown. Well, not the whole complete leaf. It, it, it starts like it goes through it a bit. Like if it's got some sort of a fungus or... Well, I mean, there are... Certainly some of the some of the older varieties of phlox are quite susceptible to mildews. But this hasn't really been mildew weather. It's been just so hot and dry. It's kind of been no, the opposite. It's, it's uh, not mildew. And I did take it to one of the... the um, Garden centers? Plant world, yeah. Oh, yeah. The plant world. Uh-huh. And that's what they said it was. But I know it isn't because I know what uh, what that looks like. And that comes later on. Well, also, do you when you water, do you ever water late in the day or do you water early in the day? Or Usually early in the morning. That's good. That's when you should water, and, and, particularly and flocks. Of, you, another thing, do you think because they're not doing so... Well, some of them are blooming, but they look horrible. I'm oh. telling you, I'm not going to... I always get a little prize from the city for them, oh. but I'm not going to get one this year. <laughs> and and uh, do you think it's something in the soil? Well, I was going to... Here's what I suggest. Uh, I mean... Yes, it could be um, a mildew issue, but, you know, might not be as well. As we mentioned, you do try and water early in the day, and that's important. Mm -hmm. What I would do either this fall or next spring is recognize that all perennials at some point need to be dug and divided. When they get overcrowded, their quality of flowers and quantity of flowers will decline. There's just too much competition. There's too much root, too much stem, not enough soil, not enough, you know, rich, you know, good quality soil, organic material, etc. So if you could do some digging and dividing, I would do that either this fall or this next spring. If that's just like, whoa, way too much work, can't even think of that, at least get some manure in there get a good half inch of you know good compost you know high organic yeah, well, material you know, uh, uh, Charlie that's what I did that's what I always do this spring I have two composts oh yeah okay good and I let them go for about three years before I use them like okay. you know and so this spring I got the compost going and mm-hmm. I put compost around them dug in as much as I could mm-hmm. and then about a week later I fertilized and watered really good okay and what'd you fertilize with Oh, that that um, 
water solution, you know, the one you put yeah. in the water? Yeah, like so like miracle Grow or something yeah, like miracle that, Grow, blue yeah. stuff. And did you use that more than once? Yeah, I did. How often? Oh, maybe once, um, once every two weeks, once a month. Okay, because uh, that's the other thing that can happen is we can o- end up over-fertilizing our plants and that they will tend to turn brown and look mm-hmm. all shriveled up. And the, the, it's because if we do spray or add too much fertilizer, we end up with a salt buildup in the soil because fertilizer is salt. So it, we end up creating a toxic soil environment if we fertilize too often. So personally, the top dressing was a great idea with your compost. But mm-hmm. don't do any more miracle grow. Like you, no. Yeah, once a month at the most. And now that we're at the end of July, we're done fertilizing our perennials. No more fertilizer at all. So I, I would just carry it, do the compost again next spring. And if you can, like I said, consider some division, some separation of those plants. You may find that they'll just thrive better with this, some digging, some dividing, some refreshing that way. Like a lot of them planted by themselves. You know? I know. That's why they're so crowded, I think. <laughs> yeah, but they planted further away. Like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, like the, I've got a big garden, eh? so yeah. they planted further away. But even those have, have got the brown on them. Mm. Oh, well, again, may, if you want to try sending a photograph, uh, not a bad idea. I can take a peek. But, you know, like you said, Plant World has some pretty smart people, and they thought it might be a mildew. So maybe some Bordeaux or some sulfur, once the weather dries up, might help just control the spread of the fungal diseases. So I don't have to dig them out and throw them in the... No, 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 because you've got all new plants next year, right? Just if they've got a bit of a disease this year, next year's another. A whole new season. (laughs) Thank you, Mary Kay. We kind of have to move along here. We've got other folks waiting online here, okay? But thank you very much for calling in and being a first-time caller. Matter of fact, uh, speaking of callers, through the magic of willpower in the control room there, (laughs) he got uh, Patrick back, I believe, we we dropped uh, uh, in Whitby, so we're going to be coming back in a moment to have a chat with Patrick here on Zoomer Radio. Garden Show. Am I online? Not yet. Hold on. We just okay. need to take a little break first for a commercial break, and we'll be right back to you, okay? All righty. Back in a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, here we are on the Garden Show, and delighted that, Patrick, you're able to get back through in the line from Whitby. What's on your mind today? Uh, hi. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate that. I called last week uh, and got right in at the tail end of the show. <laughs> okay. <and didn't> get... <laughs> but the story was um, a uh, maple tree fluttery uh, whirligig thingamajig landed at my feet. So All right, I yes. I decided to try and plant it at my desk. Mm-hmm. Well, it's in a, uh, or it was, unfortunately, in a little four-inch square, one-inch deep soil uh, container on my desk, and somehow it didn't quite like a three-day weekend. Oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Have you had the funeral yet? <laughs> I had two beautiful leaves on it that were turning as I rotated it mm-hmm. to try and keep it uh, from uh, curling towards the window. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, the soil dried and mm. shriveled up. Oh, and dear. It never came back. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, sad. Is, so, is there something I could have done a little bit better? 
Well, you know, what's one of the things you I would re- definitely recommend is that um, maple tree should not be inside the house. It should be outside because ultimately that's where it wants to be. Uh, and even as you said, that idea of turning it, I mean, I, unless it's, you know, it's so close to your heart that you want to keep it on the desk and keep it close inside, you can do that. It ultimately won't survive indoors over the winter, though. It needs that dormant period. It needs to go outside, and it um, um, needs to be in a bigger pot. Right. So it sounds like it was in a very small pot, which, of course, lent it, the problem of it drying out over the three-day weekend. So yep. a little bit of a bigger pot, obviously potting soil, watered thoroughly before the weekend, and then back at work, it would have a better chance of survival. But like I said, at the end of the day, maple trees have to be outside. Yeah. Patrick, thanks for that neat yeah. little story. I like that, I you know. know. He sounds so sad about it. Well, I, I'm going to keep my eye on the obits because I'm sure he's going to put an obituary in the paper there. Well, you know, we, uh, it's not hard to grow again. The guy yeah. would do it again. Sure. Uh, hey, we have another first-time caller here. Oh, good. Uh, and from London, Ontario, my hometown. Hey, Joe, welcome to the show. Just a second here. <laughs> good morning. There we are. You have your wings. Hi. Hi. Um, Charlie? Yes. Yeah. I've got a uh, uh, 15 to 20 foot tall uh, apple tree. Mm-hmm. Last year I had lots of apples. Mm-hmm. This year nothing at all. Mm-hmm. But it's about it's it's quite old. It's about yeah. 30 to 40 years old. It's and I'm not- just wondering what is the chop half of, half of the top off to try and keep it down a bit so as I can get some. Maybe get some more apples. All right, so here's the scoop. It's yeah. not that unusual when you've had a very bountiful crop one year to have a negligible crop the next year. Uh-huh. It takes a ton of energy for the plant to produce all that fruit. So yeah. plants, you know how old the tree is, and often the older the tree, the more often you'll see this, yeah. they, they just cannot produce that same quantity of fruit again. So... Expect to have fruit next year, but obviously this year is a down year. The chopping the tree down by half, I understand your desire to lower the canopy, keeping it a little closer to the ground. But there are, there are correct ways and there are very incorrect ways to prune apples. Um, optimal time to be pruning any of our fruit trees is sort of late February, early March. So when it's still dormant, but the, you know, spring is coming kind of situation, sun is shining, and uh, that's when our best time for pruning any apple trees, pear trees, peach trees should take place. You know, I'm, see, I'm thinking fall when there's, you know, there's not a chance of these uh, buds coming on. Yeah. I'm thinking fall and maybe cut a uh, there's quite a lot of canes on the top. Right, uh, and you've probably nothing, got you know. something called spouts. They're called water spouts, and when they grow straight up from yes. a branch, yes. and they will never, ever flower or fruit. Uh-huh. So any of those straight-up branches, yes. n- n- do not cut them in half. You want to remove them entirely. Uh, okay, don't, um, that's what I mean. Yeah. I want to cut it quite, a, quite a, a, a lot off the top. So that, uh, well, I'm thinking more so down the, but that's where I think I had most of the fruit is right down, you know, Low. Mm. Yeah. arm's length. Sort of yeah, thing. and that's quite possible. But, you know, bottom line is be careful. Like, do a little bit of research. There's some great videos on YouTube or take a book out of the library and just get a sense of 
the correct way and the correct time to do your pruning. Uh, the when it's, March and April? Yeah, definitely early spring. Of course, you're going to want to have very sharp tools. You're going to do it on a dry day. Yeah. And I'd also recommend that you consider purchasing something called a dormant spray kit and spray that apple after you have done the pruning once you know, the weather is with us. And again, you will find you'll have now, better the, quality the, fruit. The thing about it is that when I... They, I put a lot of dormant on the year before when I got all these apples. Oh yeah. I put I, I sprayed it because I had some I had some fruit the yeah. year before and they weren't good. There was a lot of bugs. In right. It. Yep. And so, um, so I sprayed it. Yep. And the the apples that I got last year, there were so many of them, and I'm thinking more dormant spray. <laughs> every year. Every, every year. spring. Okay. Okay. Alrighty. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. And uh, you're welcome back anytime, okay? Uh, matter of fact, we have to take a little bit of a break here, but when we come back, uh, you did a lot of homework over the past week, and we'll get to that question that last week's uh, caller have, has left you, or, or callers, should I say. <laughs> so that's coming up next here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, Charlie. Uh, last week, a listener left you a little homework to do, so uh, maybe you can do Actually, two listeners, yes. but I think we'll only get to one of them, um, and this is one we're going to get to. This Next week, we'll get to the next one. Rebecca in Curtis called last week, and she wondered about overwintering ornamental sweet potato vine and wondered how to do so. Mm-hmm. So... Rebecca, assuming you're listening and others may find this interesting as well, I did find Dave's Garden, and Dave's Garden is a website that's been around forever and ever. It's out of the United States. It sometimes has really good information, sometimes not so much, but in this case had very good information. So davesgarden.com, check that out. There's also a book called Growing and Propagating Ornamental Sweet Potatoes uh, by Jim Nicholas. Oh, no, this is either way. In the fall, I'm going to read this to you. In the fall. Before your first freeze, you'll need to lift your ornamental sweet potatoes and bring them inside for storage. Dig around underneath the plant, pull up any tubers you find. Some plants may make one large tuber, others may have formed a number of small, oddly shaped potatoes. If there is a freeze uh, and it kills all the leaves, don't give up because probably your tubers are just fine under the soil. So dig them out, get them in the house, rinse them off, dry them off, and store them in a cool, dark, dry place, preferably, you know, root cellar, Mm -hmm. cantina, canning cupboard, until you're ready to deal with them. Plan to start slips from the tubers at least eight weeks before your average last frost date. So our average last frost is the end of May, so back it up eight weeks. We're into the end of March. Uh, or early April, you will pull all your tubers out. You'll start them just the same way we sprouted sweet potatoes when we were kids. Glass of water or dish of water, toothpicks, um, sweet potato Mm -hmm. hung over the water, just touching the water to encourage roots to grow. So um, don't let it rot. Don't have it hanging right in the water, just, just kissing the water. Always check your water every day. Change it every day or two. Keep the water up. Once the roots begin to sprout, only the roots need to be in the water and the tuber can be up dry. 
Ornamental sweet potatoes are very forgiving. If you goof and let the roots dry out, just add water and they'll come right back. They're they're pretty, you can't really kill them, frankly. Uh, Eventually, over a period of the next few weeks, little nubs will start to appear on your tubers. So little bumps, Mm -hmm. which will have, which is the top part of the potato, little leaves, like miniature little leaves. And then you, you watch these little leaves unfold into tiny little plants growing out of the tuber. So roots are in the glass of water, tubers suspended above, and little tiny sprouts, little stems are going to start to grow off the tuber. Wait until those little sprouts, also called slips, are about, um, you know, inch or so tall. Mm -hmm. They've got second or third pair of leaves. And then you just break them off the tuber. Now, there's no roots on these. These are just little stems with no roots. You're going to pot them up into good quality potting soil that's moist. You are going to stick those little, little, you know, stems that you've just, the slips, under the soil. You are going to then moist soil, a little plastic bag over top, a little mini greenhouse. Oh, yeah. Uh, so and that gets hot then. Yeah. Right, like not, hot not in the sun. Yeah, but not yeah. in the sun because okay. then it'll just turn into yeah. an oven. But roots will grow mm. from those little slips. So before you know it, uh, you know, another week or so later, all those little slips you broke off, you stuck them into soil, roots will grow, and you've got all kinds of tiny little plants. Wow. So what a great way to save money on buying sweet potato vines every year because mm. they are not cheap, and they're great plants. People use them all the time. So just hold on to a couple tubers over the winter, and then we'll, we'll all together, we'll pull them out in late March and get them growing so that we're ready to go to get them outside once they were frost-free. Okay, uh, Professor Proctor gives you a plus, <laughs> plus, plus report. Oh, that. thank you. My the, dog the did not eat my homework. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think we have time to squeeze in a, one more call here. Rosa in Milton. Good morning and welcome to the Garden Show. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. Um, what I want to know is I plant every year the flowers sweet pea. Yep. Okay, not I plant them, but I get them from... Uh, one of the uh, these stores here mm-hmm. that sell flowers mm-hmm. and er- whatever, garden centers. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I've never had this happen before, and I want to know why this has happened. There are the flowers, right? But mm-hmm. now it's having pods on it like I've planted peas to well, eat. Well, they are peas. Sweet peas are peas. So that all that's happened is you... In, when the flower finished, in, you did not deadhead, and they've formed seeds. That's all it is. So, yeah, you've got little peas. Now, they are not edible. Do not eat those uh, are peas. Are those good to be planting for flowers next year? Yes, if you allow those pods to mature. So let them get ripe, and uh, as, as large as they're going to get, then they're going to start to turn yellow, and then you'll clip them off, you'll bring them inside, and you'll save the seeds uh, indoors over winter and in a dark dry location and then you will get ready to plant them outside next year now whether they will look exactly the same next year growing from seed as they have this year not so sure kind of depends what variety you're growing but yeah absolutely very very easy to replant okay so what is happening is there's the pods but it's still coming with flowers so just yep. leave it alone yep. and then if i want the pods take them off after that's right you've got to let them mature and they will tell you when they're mature because they will turn yellow right before your very eyes those pods and okay. as that's happening, you're going to start clipping them off. So, so why one question, another one? Sorry, Whoops, I, you but can only. Uh, sorry, I know love. what your question is oh. going to be. It's got. <laughs> it's just got to do with the variety. So you've got sterile sweet potatoes, oh, okay. and you've got non-sterile. Yeah. This year, it turns out you've got actually a fertile sweet potato, or sorry, sweet pea that is forming its own seeds, which is great. Okay. 
Okay. All right, Rosa, thank I'm you, sorry. We're, we're fresh, <laughs> fresh out of time bye-bye, here. Bye-bye. And I'm sorry uh, for Thanks Susan. For calling. Susan and Brampton, the first time caller. Gee whiz, if you call a little earlier next week, yeah. we'll, we'll get you on there, okay? Because I know you wanted to get a question into Charlie. Charlie's been a really interesting show, as God, usual. Yeah, as usual. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I've got a, a busy morning ahead of me. I'll I'd... be back at 11 o'clock uh-huh. with lots of music. And this afternoon, from 2 to 3.30, I'm going to give a little review on a show uh, put on by the folks at Cirque du Soleil. Oh, They had right. the opening night, Lucia, uh, at the Portlands here in Toronto. Did you go? Uh, yeah. Oh, what? cool. Well, I'll give you a report yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be listening. Five stars. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm a big fan. Oh, well, good stuff. I'm glad you were able to do that. Thank you so much, Frank. Have a wonderful long weekend. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Sebastian. See you all again next week. You're listening to Zoomer Radio in Toronto, CFZM AM 740, and CFZM FM 96.7 in downtown Toronto. Owned and operated by MZ Media Incorporated. Zoomer Radio, timeless hits. It's 10 o'clock, and the phone lines are now open to reach Dave and Alan in Dave's Corner Garage. Call 416-360-0740 or toll-free. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.